Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Emotional Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Rochelle. This podcast started as a space to use my voice, to share my journey of healing, and it's turned into so much more. It's a space about all things emotional, because for me, learning to self-regulate and accept what I was feeling was game-changing. Together, we learn the tools to self-regulate. We talk spirituality, holistic healing, and modalities such as human design and astrology to help you radically trust, love, and accept yourself. I have some amazing guests on here that share their story and share their tools. And this is really just a space to support you in healing mind, body, and soul. So I thank you so much for tuning in and putting yourself first. I appreciate every single one of you. Welcome back to another episode. This one is so good. It is with Sarah Cohan from the Lit AF podcast. I had her on here, I think maybe in January, February. One of the most favorited episodes. You guys loved it. And we talk all about attachment styles, which is so helpful, so eye-opening, so important to understand. And just understanding my own attachment style gave me the language to understand my trauma and like what happens to my body and why my nervous system gets regulated or or activated, why I feel triggered. Um, And it was just so, it's just, it's such a beautiful tool kind of in your toolbox, right? Just like human design is, um, you know, breath work, meditation, movement, all these things. And it's really just gives you awareness to relationships and why we act the way that we do sometimes. Um, Sarah goes over what all of the types mean. There are four. And um, we talk a lot about the fearful avoidant because both of us are actually fearful avoidance. And I think she says it is 3% of people, but we have met a lot of people along the way that are, that identify as fearful avoidant. So yeah, it is just, it's such, such a good episode. And, you know, she really talks about, you know, in my experience, this has been coming up a lot for me actually lately. So I just feel like everything has been like so on point, like divine timing to the podcast I'm releasing to what my like personal life experiences are right now. But part of the fearful avoidance is this hypervigilance and almost like addiction to like guilt and shame and how much we tell ourselves stories in our head about like why people did this or what what like making things up, right? Rather than actually communicating like what is happening inside and stating your needs because I know and I'm really, really working on it. Instead of telling myself stories, I am really working to communicate my needs even though doing that makes me feel needy as fuck. Like it is actually really hard to do that. Like I feel personally annoying to myself. And I know that that's just my own guilt and my own shame because I it was not safe to actually do so for so long. And I always felt like a certain way when I spoke my emotions or I expressed my emotions. And so I tell myself now, especially this is like one of my tools, there's a lot of inner child work there. And, you know, I know that when something comes up or when I feel triggered, when I feel, you know, my nervous system activated, it truly is my like my inner child throwing a fit or feeling scared or feeling unsafe. So I just kind of sit with that for a minute. And I really... I notice when my mind tells myself stories, like gets taken off with these stories, I really want to express them. And again, yes, it's, it's this it's this cycle because I feel needy in expressing it, but then I can't let it go because it, I'm not expressing it, but then my mind likes cycles. And it really is truly the mind that makes us suffer more than the emotions. Because yes, like the emotions are painful and we feel them in our body. But it's when we like are spinning these kind of, I don't want to say ridiculous stories because it's all valid, right? It's all our feelings. It's all our mind. And we're going there for a reason because this is just like our pattern or what it's what we've been shown before. But it feels very uncomfortable. It feels very, it feels uncomfortable, but also comfortable, right? Because this is, has always been the pattern. So it's breaking that pattern is the thing that's uncomfortable, right? So like in that moment for me, like expressing it, I'm kind of like trying to navigate. Is it, is expressing it? making me feel a certain way or is not expressing it, allowing me to kind of like take a step back and come back to a neutral space and then articulate articulate my needs. Because actually in the moment, I feel like not expressing it is more uncomfortable than expressing it. But then, yeah, so it just becomes like this really big cycle. And so, yeah, this is such, such a good episode. Um, I just, I love always talking to Sarah. I love being in her energy. I love her podcast. I just, it is, again, such a, a good one and really, really close to my heart and my personal experiences. And so I really, really think that you're going to find a lot of value in this. Um, really quick before we start, because this this is a little bit longer of an episode. So I'm so grateful to be part of this Soul Care Bundle. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen it. 
it is this collaboration of all these amazing people. Um, it is going to be 10 workshops. It is a one, one, one-on-one Akashic Records reading. I mean, all of this for like 85% off. Everything is going to be in the show notes. Um, you get full lifetime access on August 22nd. So if you are, this is going to be released before August 22nd. So you can click that link, head over there, check it all out. I mean, there's going to be astrology workshops, human design workshops, so, so much in there. I'm so excited literally to have been asked to participate in this. And my personal contribution is going to be a human design 101 workshop. So it's just going to be, you know, going through the basics, type, strategy, authority, and there's going to be a little bit on profile in there because I just love profile for me. And Sarah is also a 6'3 in human design. She's a 6'3 projector, but just like knowing and understanding what that means, being a 6'3 and how that has shaped my life and my experiences has been so eye-opening. So I'm adding a little bit about profiles in there as well. But you can get all that information, soul care bundle, so, so good. Um, So definitely hop over there and check that out. If you resonate with this episode, please share with a friend if you think it'll resonate with somebody else. This one really is a powerful one. And I really believe that the attachment style system is so helpful in our healing. And, you know, Sarah even talks about, you know, the founder of this system. You know, they did some research and just even knowing about this not even like actively doing the work, but just like knowing about this and learning about this really helps you heal as well. So again, yeah, share, subscribe to the podcast. You can get on the newsletter. I just send out one every week with the podcast and then one big one um, at the start of the month about like transits and energy check and all the things. But yeah, it really, really does help, especially if you're on Apple iTunes to subscribe, leave a review, all of the things and all my information is down in the show notes. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at rochelle.christian. Website is rochellechristian.com. TikTok, rochellechristian. Um, everything is down there. So I appreciate you and thank you so much for listening. I hope you love this episode as much as I did and as much as I loved having this conversation with Sarah. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. I have Sarah Cohan here again today of the Lit AF podcast. Um, Our last episode was just so incredible. So amazing. We dove in a little bit with the fearful attachment, um, uh, fearful avoidant attachment style. Mm -hmm. And I have since like, since our conversation, I've started doing yoga nidras every night. And I don't know if it's like the six, three thing, right? Like I just Ah. feel like I, there's like a reflection or mirror there as there is with everyone that comes into our life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I started the yoga nidras, which have been amazing. And I've really dived into the personal development uh, school. Uh, Oh my God. Love that. Yeah. And so I just, I reached out and I wanted to come have you back on here just to talk about attachment styles, because I I feel like for me, it has given me like the language Mm. to something like what human design did, right. Human design Mm -hmm. gave me the language to understand what I already knew about myself, but I couldn't articulate. Mm -hmm. And so like learning about this fearful attachment, I'm just like, damn, (laughs) Ah. so much sense. So for anybody who maybe hasn't listened to the previous episode, I will link it also in the show notes. So you can go back and listen to that because it was so good. Um, good. If you want to just give yourself, you know, an introduction, um, just let people know kind of a little bit about your story and and then we can dive into attachment styles. I would love to. I'm so excited to be back here. I can't wait to talk about this today. This is like literally my favorite topic. And I've actually kind of pivoted my podcast to talk more about fearful avoidant and healing for the fearful avoidant because we need so much help. And I say that with love. I know the word need can be really intense for some people, but, um, we experienced just so much trauma growing up and, and abuse and neglect. And we, we need that help. Like some of us, I'm going to raise my hand here, (laughs) took all that trauma. and was just pretended not to have it. I was just like, I'm fine. That happened to other members of my family. I'm like, I'm not the one that needs the help, or I'm not the one that has this big wound which is hilarious. So I'm getting ahead of myself talking about attachment style, but it's so funny. A friend of mine was interviewing or she was like getting ready for an interview for a reality TV show. And I was prepping her for the interview. And one of the questions was like, what's the biggest thing in your life that you've overcome? And her answer was like, um, you know, my, my mom left my abusive dad and I've had to really overcome, um, him leaving the family, him being abusive. And then also my growing up with a single mom. And I was just like, holy shit. If you had asked me that question (laughs) 10 days ago, I would have been like, oh, well, I quit smoking. Um, I don't know. And it's like, no, dude, I fucking grew up in an abusive household. End of story. That's it. And that doesn't define me, but it is something that I've had to heal and address and honor and like come to terms with. So 
in a nutshell, I will say who I am. I am the host of the Lit AF podcast, which is all about um, personal and spiritual growth for the fearful avoidant attachment style. Um, I myself am an entertainer, a comedian, and also just a curious mind. Like I, I think I've really decided to dedicate my life to learning because there's so much knowledge out there. And like, even at the end, there's no way that I'm going to get to ever know everything. And a part of me kind of, I think after getting my master's, which was like my last big kind of education thing, um, like cut that part off of myself. And I realized that I actually have this huge need for learning and sharing and connecting. And so, um, being able to be on this journey and learn, just new techniques and tools on how to be confident and how to relate to others and how to be in your own body (laughs) is amazing. And it's a gift and I'm here for it. It's my favorite thing. Mm, I love that. I'm huge on the learning. I'm like forever students. And I think like sometimes there's an element of shadow within that because like when I was Mm. younger, my brother was like, he's an engineer, right? So he was like the Mm. really school book smarts. And so I think I've like made up for it for like my whole life. Like I have to know everything. I have to learn everything and I have to like, uh, whatever. But I think it's also this beautiful, it's like healing my shadows with something that actually lights me up too. You know, it's Mm. just like this beautiful, like kind of play with the universe, you know, but it's, it's, yeah, I'm, you talk about like education and learning. I'm like, yeah, I'm here for that. Like I will probably be a student and I like, if I could know everything, everything in the world, I would, but yeah, <laughs> right. right. But then there'd be no, where would the fun be after that? So totally. Oh my God. Then there'd be no more learning. And it's like, yeah. I've had to realize that sometimes the best part of the journey is the learning itself. Mm. It's like, you know, any road trip, the best part of the road trip is the car ride. Like it's taken me a really long time to learn that. Cause I used to be so obsessed with just like getting to the goal, getting to secure, getting to ascension, whatever it is that the thing is getting mm-hmm. the manifestation. And actually like the fun part is, um, it's totally the journey and it's the learning part and it's the falling down and figuring out how to pick yourself back up. And mm. ugh, yeah, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast yesterday, um, with, um, it was a Lewis house podcast, the school of greatness. I don't know if you listened to that mm-hmm. one, but he had Emmanuel Ocho on there. Uh, he's okay. an athlete. Uh, yeah. But he was saying, um, he was like, you don't fail, you fall. So get mm. up. And I was just, I literally thought about that saying all day yesterday. I was like, that is so powerful. And it is so true. Right. Like mm. you don't fail, you fall. So you get fall. up. So like, get up. And I always picture Batman <laughs> in that moment of like, why do we fall, Master? What's his name? <laughs> Master, whatever. Master Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and then the answer is like, so we can get back up again. It's uh, like, it's so contrived and it's so true. It is. Oh my gosh. So, okay, let's dive into attachment styles. Do you think, like, yeah. even just like just what we were talking about, like ha- having mm-hmm. to reach that end goal? I know, like, so many people, you know, want to get to the end and like, in, mm-hmm. in rather than being in the present moment, but like, as far as attachment styles, we'll back up a little bit. Like what are attachment mm-hmm. styles to begin mm-hmm. with? Mm-hmm. And then even further fearful avoidant. But like, do you think there's an element of the fearful avoidant that comes into just like that? Right. Like, like not really being in the moment, not being in the journey or like trying to be outside mm. of it. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So let me start with attachment styles. You're going to have to remind me of the second question. <laughs> well, we will come back to this. Um, so attachment styles are basically how we relate to anyone and anything. Um, it is based on how we were parented growing up. And this research was really founded by Mary Answorth and John Bowlby in the sixties. So the way that I like to describe it is, and there's many ways to describe it. They did a bunch of different studies, Um, but the way I like to describe it is when you are being parented as a child, as an infant, you know, your caretaker will look into your eyes and you'll be having this moment of like connecting and then the child needs a break. So the child, the child will like look in another direction and just take a moment. Like you just, the child needs to kind of like reset. I'm wondering if as a parent, if you're like, oh yeah, I've been through this. (laughs) You're like, yep. uh (laughs) So if you're a secure parent, what, what, when the child looks away, you're like, great, we're resetting. Everything's fine. I'm still kind of this worthy, you know, knowledgeable human. I'm here with my child. This child just needs a break. That's all it is. But if you have an anxious parent, what happens when the child breaks eye contact, all of a sudden the anxious parent gets nervous and wants the child to make eye contact with them again. And so they can either panic or get really anxious or push them to kind of like make that eye contact with them. And then if you are, um, if you can't make eye contact, if you are avoiding the child or, 
um, there's like, <laughs> this is dismissive avoidant. There's just a lot of abandonment in this, um, attachment style. But if your parent really can't look into your eyes, then you are going to mimic that same behavior. And so based on how your parent interacts with you as a child, that is how you develop your own systems and strategies. I like to call them strategies to relate to others in the world. And so there's three or sorry, there's four different attachment styles. First one is secure. About 50% of the population is this. And when you're secure, basically you, um, you don't uh, like outsource your validation or your self-worth to others. You know that you're inherently worthy. You get in fights, secure people don't not fight. That was like the biggest myth I had to bust when I was learning secure attachment style. So they still get in fights, but they recover quickly. And they're able to kind of compromise in the situation and see others' opinions while also sharing their own needs. And I want to be really clear that secure people are not perfect. They're um, a wonderful guidepost. And oftentimes when you get into a relationship, if you have an insecure attachment type, getting the quickest way to get to secure is to be in a relationship with a secure attachment type. The only thing is <laughs> if you have an insecure attachment type, a secure person cannot be very attractive. They can be boring. You can think that they're, you know, they don't really make sense to you because you're so kind of like uh, addicted to these different cycles of insecure attachment types. So we'll talk about the other ones. The first one is anxious, preoccupied. And this is really when you're kind of um, anxious and you're outsourcing your validation and your worth to others. So you need other people to validate your worth and also kind of just validate your existence. I see this energy as very much like a dog paddling movement. And when an anxious person is um, triggered, they often look to other people to help like fix the situation, solve the problem, heal them. Um, And the best work that I have seen for anxious, preoccupied people is reparenting inner child work. Um, because you need to basically realize that you are your own inner parent, your own inner mom, your own inner dad, whatever gender you want to use. Um, you are your own kind of, uh, parent to, to help you and support you and be your guidepost in this world. So that's anxious, preoccupied. The other side of the spectrum is dismissive avoidant and the dismissive avoidant experienced so much neglect growing up. Um, and they tend to be more of an island. They tend to be like, want to spend, they need a lot of alone time, like a lot. And, um, they were basically taught that like your feelings aren't important. Your feelings are not valid. So don't ever share them. Um, and it, it can be really difficult to be in relationships with dismissive avoidance. I really highly identify as a dismissive avoidance. So anyone out there that's like in this attachment style, like I am with you so hard. The, it, the thing about it is that you are really slow to get into relationships because you are so hyper independent. Like it is really a struggle to be interdependent and bring someone else into the relationship because you just couldn't trust your caretaker. So what's really great for dismissive avoidance is shadow work. And the reason for this is they have developed so many judgments and so many like from your parents. So you've, you've learned how to stay safe by judging certain things growing up. So a big one for me is being dumb. Like a huge, I have a huge shadow around being dumb. So anytime I see someone else acting dumb or anytime I'm myself being dumb, I really judge myself super hard for it because it was not okay in my family to be dumb, smart, being smart was really celebrated. And so, um, I've developed the shadow around that certain trait and basically I'm not expressing it. I'm not allowing myself to express that like full expression of just me being me, which sometimes I am dumb (laughs) and it's great. And there's wonderful moments that come from that. So shadow work really helps to allow the dismissive avoidant to start to accept all of those kind of hidden parts, hidden aspects of themselves that they've been judging because of their childhood. And I should also say about shadow work or not just shadow work, but the dismissive avoidant also really needs to learn how to feel feelings. When I started going to, um, to coaching therapy, with my shadow work coach, um, (laughs) 
they, she would ask me to describe, um, how I was feeling in that moment when I was expressing, you know, like a certain story. And I was just like, Oh, just if it looks gray, like the color's gray. And she's like, okay, I know there's so much more in there. (laughs) It's not just gray. We're going to have to like start to bring that out. So really trying to slowly, because if you do it all at once, it can be super overwhelming for the dismissive avoidant. And again, you've got that shadow around expressing vulnerability is not okay. So you're going to judge yourself for it. So slowly starting to feel emotions, explore what they are in your body and just starting to let them pass is what I have found that dismissive avoidance like really need to do. Both attachment styles, like insecure attachment types need to do both work, but I find that dismissive avoidance really tend to need more shadow work. Anxious preoccupied need to do more inner child work. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think dismissive avoidance are more avoidant of healing? Like more avoidant of actually seeing the issues? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you you can't trust. I think a lot of times in therapy or in coaching sessions, we look to our coach and our therapist as our parent. Well, like where we kind of develop that similar bond. And so if we couldn't trust our parent growing up, you're not going to seek help for (laughs) healing that because that's an unsafe situation for you. Mm -hmm. So it can be really difficult for dismissive avoidance to ask for help or even seek it. They often get called narcissists, which I just want to address quickly. (sighs) They had to have a very high opinion of themselves when they were growing up because no one else did. And so this can oftentimes come across as narcissistic. If you're in a relationship with a narcissist, I highly recommend getting out. There's not a whole lot you can do. And there's not a whole lot that you need to do. It's not on you to fix them. Um, But there is a difference, I think, between having a very high opinion of yourself and being a full-on narcissist. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to kind of delineate those two. Um, I also want to talk about the fear of full avoidant. Do you have questions before I jump into that? Uh, no, I I'll no interrupt me. Interrupt me. I'm like, I'm on my spiel. (laughs) We're just going to go for it. Okay. So the, my favorite type, which is the fearful avoidant, which is what I identify as, as a recovering fearful avoidant is the combination of anxious, preoccupied and dismissive avoidance smashed into one. And the, this represents about 3% technically of the population. Although I have met a shit ton of fearful avoidance in my life. So not sure about the statistic, mm-hmm. but um, they fearful avoidance flip flop between the two strategies because when they were growing up, they usually experienced abuse or a lot of trauma, and um, their caregiver. If you've ever been that in that situation, it can be really like intense where your caregiver is untrustworthy, but you still like need them to survive, and so you use you flip between the two strategies at any moment. And oftentimes when you're in a relationship with a fearful avoidant, um, it can look like, come over here. I want you, I need you so bad. And then when you get there, they're like that, then they kind of flip the dismissive avoidance switch on. And they're like, oh, this is too much. Actually, when I'm in a relationship, I get swallowed. I can't trust it. I'm, I'm like, I don't actually want you here. So it's a lot of mixed messages of like, please come over. And then once they're there, like, please leave. This is too much for me that it doesn't have to be that specific example. It can be kind of like a lighter energy of that, but, um, it's a lot of flip-flopping and it can also result in like more severe kind of diagnoses. Um, a lot of BPD, things like that, bipolar. Um, what does that even stand for? Bipolar disorder, borderline personality. Oh, border- <laughs> yes. The different one. So, um, the strategy for the fearful avoidant is actually mixing those like the, the, sorry, the healing, not the strategy, the healing, um, for the fearful avoidant is, is a mix of both the inner child work as well as shadow work, um, starting to feel feelings because oftentimes feelings were not safe growing up. And then there's certain interesting, um, traits of the fearful avoidant, such as hypervigilance. And then this like really intense addiction to guilt and shame that come up because, um, hypervigilance is when someone comes in the room and you're just like hyper aware of how they're feeling and what they're doing. And I feel this all the time. I was just my, at at my work, we're back in an office and, um, my boss walked in the room and he was kind of being loud. And I was just like, 
super aware of what he was doing. And I was like going in my mind, like, okay, well, he had a meeting this morning. Is it something, you know, is he upset because it's something I said in this meeting? And then I just kept telling all these stories. And I was like looking at the calendar thinking like, who else could it have been? And I was just like, I'm telling so many stories in my little brain about why my boss is being loud right now, (laughs) which first of all, I don't actually have to do because I'm now in a safe environment. Like growing up, it was not safe. Now as an adult, I am in a safe environment. So that's the one thing I have to um, remind myself of all the time. But then also just these stories and this, this hyper attention to other people is actually something that I can kind of start to monitor and then slowly start to heal. And so I do this with my husband all the time too. I'm like, oh my God, he just came in. He's a little later than usual. He put his bike up on the rack in a weird way. Like he didn't say hi in his normal tone of voice. And so then I start to like delve into like, oh, was it that text message? Or like, maybe I didn't send a text message, you know, like just telling myself all these stories of what type of moon I am predicting he's in not actually even having a conversation with him about it. Mm-hmm. So um trying to be aware of hypervigilance as much as possible and starting to monitor it. Like at the end of the day, taking kind of a, a schedule, a note. Did you do this with personal development school? So I'm still working through, um, I can't remember which like course it is, but there was like a whole like yeah. worksheet of, oh, like, yeah. of activities to do. So I'm still yes. like working my way through that, but Love yeah, that. but it's really powerful. It's so powerful. Just like tracking your day and being like, okay, when was I hypervigilant? Can I notice how I was actually safe in this situation? Mm. (laughs) Can I see how the stories that I'm making up don't actually have any truth to them? Like, do I actually know any of these stories to be true? Um, And then the other one is guilt and shame monitoring. So guilt and shame are feelings that still come up to this day for me. And when I first started, like actually at the end of the day, tracking moments that I had felt guilt and shame, I was shocked. Like I, and I don't even think I was tracking the nuanced ones. I was tracking like the bigger ones. And so, um, starting to notice in those moments when you track at the end of the night, like, okay, I felt shame around this one situation. Maybe I, you know, sent an, an email at work that had an error on it or something like that. And then I felt so much um, shame because I I felt dumb the way that I wrote it and, you know, whatever it is, trying to find in those moments, either courage or your innocence. So courage would be for the guilt and then the innocence would be for the shame so that you can start to flip it in your brain closer and closer to the actual moment. So rather than going to instantly shame, instead you're going towards okay, that was, you know, I fucked up, but like, where, where did I try? Where can I show that I was trying really hard or where can I show that I was like actually really innocent in this situation? And so starting to lift the guilt and shame off of you and also starting while you're doing that, build a bigger container to hold guilt and shame. I know it sounds like the opposite things, but being able to realize like, okay, I can actually hold this feeling and it doesn't have to mean anything. I don't have to act on it. I don't have to like go down a shame spiral. It just means that I'm feeling this one feeling, um, which is like, you know, kind of the whole reason that we're here on earth is to feel feelings. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, that can be super helpful for the fearful avoidant. Okay. That's attachment style in a nutshell. What was the question about? fearful avoidance? Oh, um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> a while ago. That was like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of other questions. So okay, love it. Love it. If love it, it comes love back it. up. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so do we tend to like mimic the attachment style of our parent, or do we tend to like go in the opposite way? Or it's just like, I mean, I, I understand that it, it you know, it, it comes from childhood. So um is there I thought I heard um through the personal development school that you can create this like you can be secure and then something traumatic happens mm-hmm. and flip into an, in, like some sort of a, having, having an insecure attachment style. Um, but like traditionally, if you're getting it from childhood, are you mm-hmm. mimicking what your parents, yes. like their style? Yes. You're mimicking their style. And what I find for the, my truth is that fucking do both of my parents style mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. both fearful avoidance. They both like grew up with their own you know, like set of trauma, um, and abuse. So 
I think that I've inherited a fearful avoidant attachment style from two, you know, beautiful fearful avoidance. But um, I took on different parts of like each of them in different ways. So my, I took on my mom's codependence because like, <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> my mom's <laughs> lack of boundary setting because like, mm. why not? <laughs> and then with my dad, I really did. I didn't know this, but I was taking on his anger um, and I was it's interesting. I was, I, I have anger in me, but I wasn't allowing myself to express it. So my poor body was just like getting so trapped with anger. And then it would come out in the worst fucking ways, which I'm sure, you know, you know, I'm completely reenacting exactly what my dad did when I was little. And then because I had shadow around it, because he was, you know, the abusive one growing up, I, I was like repressing that part of myself and then giving myself so much shit for it. So, uh, really fun, (laughs) really fun conundrum that I was in, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but allowing myself to feel anger. I mean, last time in our last episode, we talked about anger. So I'm not surprised Mm -hmm. it's coming up again Mm -hmm. on the emotional mastery podcast, (laughs) but, um, it's been, yeah, it, it's been really freeing. So, yeah, so that's kind of my story. Have you noticed in your own experience, like what you've taken on? Um, yeah. So I also, um, am fearful, fearful of and I took the test like multiple times. So I do, but I do, it's interesting. Like, I feel like in my own, you know, when I look at my, my parents, I think, um, my mom definitely, I don't know, they may both be fearful avoidant. You know, I've, I mm. haven't, um, really, I haven't really like looked into that. My, my mom is very much more of the anxious style, I think, because mm-hmm. she's, there was a lot of enmeshment codependency, like you said, like kind of like, um, like just creating this like unit, this like tight unit, you know what I mean? Mm. But then it was like when anybody tried to go outside of it, it was like, um, it was almost like an attack. You know what Mm. I mean? Like, I think that's how she felt where it was like, she, she became anxious. Um, and then my dad, uh, maybe more on the dismissive avoidance side. Right. Cause like he, he traveled a lot and never really saw emotions from him. Um, but it's, yeah, it's always interesting when I think about, I think I get, got most of my attachment style probably from my mom. She was the one that was around a mm. lot more. Um, and it's kind of always hard for me to talk about but just because like, you know, I love my parents They're you know, they're still together. Mm-hmm. They're seemingly happy. Like I didn't really have an abusive, like physically abusive childhood. I think a lot of it for me was more emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the inability to express myself, feeling like I was wrong, like the shame, the guilt, like all that, which then led to abusive relationships as I grew up. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that I think even further the fearful attachment style than when I was actually in these situations. But I think like I've noticed I'd lean more towards, um, well, obviously it depends who I'm with, but I, in relationships, I, I feel like I'm more attracted to a dismissive avoidance because for some reason Mm -hmm. that feels safe. I'm not quite sure Mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. And then it makes me anxious, like wildly anxious. But then Mm -hmm. when they turn around and like, okay, what do you need? I'm like, I don't know. Like, don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know? I like this. I dated somebody for a couple of years that like, I, I, he never took the test, but absolutely like dismissive avoidant, never wanted commitment, mm. never wanted exclusivity. Like never really even wanted mm. to have those conversations. I always felt like I was like drowning and just like, what is this? Like, what do you feel? And, mm. you know, and then, um, but yeah, it's just, it, it, and I feel like his inability to like express his feelings or even like tap into his own emotions. Like, I, I you know, I don't know. I just felt like I'm like, do you feel mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't get it? Do you feel <laughs> <laughs> well, one time he was said something about coming in the podcast that I would just like to what talk about how you don't feel like I would love to get to that. Like, I, don't know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> It's hard. It's not safe yeah. for him to feel. No, I know. And I, and I have so much compassion for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that's where all this language and all this stuff, like as I've learned human design, as I've learned now attachment styles, as I've like learned just spirituality and my own growth. And I think that's why mm-hmm. um, this person like meant so much to me was because I could actually see their wounding, whether they did or mm-hmm. not, you know, and I had so much compassion for that, but then also I have to take care of myself too. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Like I can, I can love you and I can feel compassion for you and I can understand what you are, or aren't facing and where you need to heal, but like, I can't fix you and I can't force mm-hmm. it. So it's like, I have to do that from here and not like be within that space. And that was really hard to like fully accept. But, mm-hmm. um, this was, you know, learning about attachment styles was like game changing, especially for that too. Cause I was just like, you know, I, now I see, you know, it's not like, it's not like this person doesn't care. They may, you know, I I don't know. I'm not in their mind, but like they need space. And like, when you talk about independence, you know, I feel like, and I crave that independence too, but Mm. then because it is the anxious side comes out 
And then when somebody gives me more attention, I'm like, Ooh, I actually don't want that much. Mm-hmm. Like I need my own space. I need my own time. And in mm-hmm. past relationships, of course, like abusive relationships, there was no, my time. You know what I mean? Right. Like I ran on their time. Like everything I had was like taken from me. So like I had, no, I had no space. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just like, I'm also like, yeah, hyper, like aware of that where I'm like, you, you take a little bit too much. And I'm like, Ooh, no, 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 no. This doesn't feel good. Like I, I definitely need my space. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> totally makes lot. sense. I love that. Yeah. What you're talking about, the anxious, preoccupied, dismissive, avoidant attraction. Mm-hmm. We seek out the opposite insecure attachment type because we want to yeah. learn from them. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. It doesn't mean anything more than that. I like, you know, I've talked to so many people that are like, but why do I do this? And I'm mm-hmm. like, it's just because you're trying to learn from them. Yeah. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to learn from it's like, you know, for anxious, we want the independent side. We're trying to make that piece whole. So we get to the secure. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't know that we're doing this. It's all unconscious. And the same with the dismissive avoidant. They're like, <laughs> dismissive avoidants are never going to get into another relationship with another dismissive avoidant because no one will call each other. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what would there be? There's not going to, they'll see each other one time and then it's yeah. over. Like, there's not, you know, no text messages, nothing. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to um, attract the opposite. Because it, they need that to learn from them. Okay. Like, oh, you know, they might be pretending like they hate it, but in reality, they're like, oh, this is what it's like to, to want someone and need someone. We're just learning from each other. And I, um, so I'm in a relationship with a more anxious person. And so that means that I'm like leaning more dismissive avoidant And, and the more anxious he gets, I'll feel it. I'll be like, you need to go like, Mm. this is not, I need space. He moved in. I asked him to move in. And 10 days after he moved in, I was like, this is not working for me. I need more (laughs) alone time, which is not a very secure thing for me to Mm. say. But now when I look back on that conversation, it was like five years ago, I'm realizing what I was trying to say was I need more alone time. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. not, it doesn't need to, you know, him moving in doesn't have to be this big, you know, judgment thing. It's just, I just need more alone time. Mm -hmm. So, and I was also, you know, allowing myself to be swallowed by the relationship, which is really that kind of dismissive side of when I'm in a relationship with someone, um, I, I let them kind of run the show and I'm not stating my needs and I don't feel safe to share my feelings. So that being swallowed feeling can, um, creep up and I'll, you know, I'll just lose my shit. So totally normal, totally normal what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that, sorry, go on. I was going to say that a lot of people judge themselves when they first find out about attachment style for not being secure. Mm -hmm. And I just encourage everyone to find so much compassion for themselves because I I mean, when I was first healing anything that I could use as a tool to shame myself because I was in such an addiction, same shame cycle was great. I was just like, I'm not secure. I'm going to like feel bad about this and feel bad about my insecure relationship all the time. But, but actually what you're doing is you're learning and you're making slow changes with every decision that you're making. Mm -hmm. And I just heard, um, a podcast with the author of attached one of the authors, there's many of them. And he was saying that there's a new study that just came out that, that said that people that just know about attachment studies, like theory, just knowing about it, not doing anything about it, not trying to practice changes. Um, they actually start to get to a more secure relationship than people that don't know about it. So just Mm -hmm. knowing is power. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. I think like, like, like I said in the beginning, sort of, it's just like having the languaging and like understanding kind of, and again, like having that compassion for others and being able to be like, okay, self-reflection, right? Like in those moments where like, I may lean anxious or I may lean dismissive, then instead of just like being so unawares and, and being the victim right now, I can be like, get curious, like, okay, what is this triggering in me? Like, why is this happening? Like getting curious, asking the questions, journaling, meditating, whatever tool I use to like pull that through. And I mean, that's actively working on it. Like you said, just like knowing it is powerful just in itself. Yep. Um, I was going to ask, like, do you, do you think like, so do dismissive avoidance, like actually deeply want, like, is that why, I mean, I I understand like opposites attract kind of thing, but like, because the anxious Mm -hmm. is going to give that them that attention, Mm -hmm. like they're actually deeply craving it, even though they present that they don't want it. Yeah. I mean, I think that we, uh, for the most part, it's pretty rare. I can't remember what book I was reading. I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, oh my God. What is his name? The, um, 
the past life regression guy. And uh, yeah, anyway, um, like all of us are here to be in relationships. It's pretty rare mm. for someone that, you know, to come walk this earth that is not meant to experience being part of a relationship, maybe mm. not for their entire life. Um, but for part of it. And so I think deep down that dismissive avoidance crave love and attention, but when they receive that anxious, um, love and attention, it reminds them of childhood and they're just triggered and swallowed. And then they don't know how to state their needs and their boundaries and handle the emotions that are coming through them because of the relationship. So it makes them feel unsafe. Exactly. Totally, totally, totally. Mm. Just as for an anxious on the other side, someone to be pulling away from them to, you know, maybe you go on one date and you're like, this person is so interesting. And then you don't hear from them for 10 days. (laughs) That can be really, really, really triggering. And then all of a sudden they're like, but you were my whole world for one night. And, Mm. you know, I, I need you to, to love me and pay attention to me and, show me that you're doing that by texting me all the time. Anxious, anxious preoccupieds tend to text a lot. Um, I'm thinking of my husband when I say that, love you, baby. (laughs) (laughs) They text a lot and they, and they want to have that conversation throughout the day. Yeah. Well, it's funny, like even for, you know, the situation I was talking about, like I would like want to get text messages from this person all the time, like all day, but then like they would text me and I'd be like, what do I say now? You know what I mean? Mm. Like I would like overthink my response and then I wouldn't respond for like three hours. Like, you know what I mean? It's like that. It is like that. I don't know, just like that in itself has been so So helpful in understanding the flip-flopping and, and like giving myself like compassion there. I love Um, that. So fearful avoidant. My whole thing in my life is like, (laughs) I want attention. I was a dancer growing up then I did comedy for so long. And and now, you know, I'm, I'm a podcaster. Like I'm, I'm putting myself out there. So I love attention. I love when I get attention, but then when I'm getting attention, I'm like, Oh no, please don't give me that. (laughs) Like, Oh, this is too much. I don't know if I actually wanted that, Yeah, which is that fearful avoidant relationship. So we can have fearful avoidant relationships or we can have insecure attachment types to all things in our life. So money feelings, um, our career, our job. Oh my God. Like uh, so many times, sorry, all of my previous bosses, like so many times I've put, um, my boss into the parental figure in my life, which is so triggering and so traumatizing for me just over and over and over again, again, sorry, you didn't do anything. You were great. (laughs) Most of you, (laughs) but there's so many different areas in our lives where, um, exercise or like movement or even our physical space, like dismissive avoidance, don't share very well. And they don't like it when people touch their stuff. Oh my God. I lose my shit when that happens to me. So even when it's my husband, if he, if he uses my razor, I like, I see red, like, (laughs) I'm like, do not, I've had this conversation with you before. Do not touch my stuff. But that is a trauma response in itself, right. Of Mm -hmm. not being able to share, share my things. So we can take, we take on this kind of relationship of relating to other people. And we put that onto other areas of our lives. Mm-hmm. You had a podcast episode. I think it was, was it last week with, was it Jasmine Kenna? Yeah. Like, yes. So I was listening, like for anybody who listening, who is listening, go subscribe to the oh podcast. Cause it is like, literally I, I listened to yours this morning. Like, it's just, I, I love, I look forward to your episodes every single week. Oh my and, like, God. I was listening, yeah, of course. And, but I was listening to that one and I immediately booked a session with her. We had the session on like, oh. Monday. Cause I was like, I really want to rewire that knowing that I'm safe. Right. Yeah. And like all these experiences, experiences and like further just being like, you know, I am safe to receive and feeling pleasure in receiving, you know, oh, so it's not God, just so like, good. Yeah. Cause I think, like you said, like we, sometimes we want the attention, of course, like same here podcast. Like I talk all day on my, mm-hmm. my podcast and like, you know, health coaching and all these things is like, it, it's like, we want the attention, but then when it comes then it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know what to do with it. You know? And I think that's 100%. a lot of like, yeah, it's, it's, it is a huge shadow. It's, it's, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's definitely can feel confusing, especially in the beginning, I think, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. just again, like knowing it, can you speak to like the trust issue? Cause I know like trust is oh, yeah. fearful avoidance. So it's like, can you speak to that? And then also like just finding tools. And I know, like, I personally believe trust comes from yourself first. Yeah. You know? So like learning that, yes. um, but yeah, can you speak to that a little bit? Oh my God, I love that. I I can't believe this hasn't come up already. So trust mm-hmm. is the biggest core wound for the fearful avoidant. 
Um, you couldn't trust your caregivers. It's one of the biggest, I'm sorry. There's so many, there could be more, everyone's different, but uh, what I have found for me and several of the fearful avoidance that I know is that the, the biggest core wound is trust. And what that means is that you couldn't trust your caregiver growing up. And so why the fuck would you trust your boss, God, universe, um, your partner, anyone, like it does not come naturally to us. And so building trust, starting with yourself is the key to actually being able to start to trust people. And so for me with that, how I started to build trust is taking a bath every single night. So when you're building trust, basically what you want to start to do is have your commitments that you've made in your mind, match your actions. And it's really simple. So you want to start so, 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 so small and simple, because if you're breaking that trust constantly with your commitments and then your actual actions, then all of a sudden you're like, well, I can't trust myself. So like, what, how are we ever going to trust anyone else? Right. So what I started doing was I just said, I'm going to take a bath every single night. And in that bath, I'm going to unwind, relax, meditate, maybe like throw at the time I was doing um, the pathway with Lacey Phillips. So maybe throw on a DI or something like that. And just by doing that activity for 30 days, I was able to start to build little moments where I was like, okay, cool. I trust myself to take care of myself every single night, to be able to wind down, to be able to journal really like, uh, you know, process the day. And then I could start to build like bigger trust muscle with myself. So, okay. Um, I'm going to meditate every single day for 10 minutes. I'm going to um, carve out some social time on my calendar because that's super important to me. So it's like finding out what my needs are and then making sure every single week that I'm actually getting them done. Like I'm meeting my own needs. And once you start to do that, you can start to like, okay, now I'm going to allow, you know, some other people in on this because I know how to meet my own commitments And I know how to start to get my needs met so I can start to bring in interdependent relationships where I'm around someone else and I can trust them by asking for what I need to be, to, to make that commitment possible. So it's really slow, (laughs) so slow. And it's so, it's tiny, 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 tiny movements that add up. So I think if you can just commit for 21 days to like making one small commitment to yourself and it does not have to be big, it does not have to be, I'm going to go start working out or I'm going to go run a mile every day. Like it can be every time I walk into my house, I'm going to say, um, thank you to the house or thank you to myself or, um, say like a prayer, if that's what you're into, like, it can be so incredibly tiny. I've fallen off the meditation bandwagon. I just want everyone to know that. And so I'm <laughs> trying to figure out like, okay, where's that moment every single day? Clearly it's not in the morning. Cause I need so much sleep right now. My commitment to myself is giving myself as much sleep as possible. So where in the day, is it after lunch? Is it right when I get home? Is it right before bed? Like, where is that moment? where I can show myself that I'm still in love with myself and that like I come first and that I can meet my own needs still journaling. And I think that that's like that moment for me every single night. I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is my moment for myself, you know? Yeah. And that itself is a meditation, right? I think like we have this idea of like traditional meditation where we're sitting in silence for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, but I think it can look very different. It's just like bringing yourself into that moment, like fully. And I try and like, I try and like live in that space. But of course, like I have a defined, well, I define Ajna and human design. So like my mind is just like constantly going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So for me, like, it's so important in my personal, and I have, I have been like pretty bad about meditation lately. Um, and so like today I'm gonna, I oddly, like my daughter's about to go out with a friend. My son's not here. So I'm like, I don't know what's happening today, but I have time for myself. So I'm like, I'm just going to like meditate and kind of like tap in. But Mm. yeah, it's so important to just like still the mind and be with yourself, you know? Cause I think like that, that trust of yourself, because like when I look back, like I abandoned myself so much to receive love. Like I thought Mm -hmm. like if I was me, I wouldn't be worthy of love. And I had to do what, you know, my mom said for her to love me, you know? And so it's just like kind of always coming back to that and just being like, no, I am safe to like trust myself 
myself and trust my intuition and trust my pings and like trust mm-hmm. all those things outside of what anybody else has to say. But for me, it takes getting real silent, getting sitting, whether it's meditation or journaling, you know, cause in the moment I'm like, I'm still have those people pleasing tendencies, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. like to tell people no, like I feel, I do feel responsible for their reaction and their emotions. And mm-hmm. I want everybody to be happy. And I'm like, just, mm-hmm. I'll be the one to make you happy, but it doesn't make me happy. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. do, it genuinely does in the moment. I genuinely love like, I don't know. I love when other people are happy. It's just mm-hmm. like, probably because you feel safe. Because you, know? you feel safe. I was just yeah. going to say that. Everybody's, safe. everybody's happy. And it's just like, right. I can actually like, like let the air out and kind of relax because mm-hmm. everybody's happy. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been really helpful for me to just come back and just be like, no, it's okay. Like I don't yeah. have to want to do everything that everybody else does. I can make my own decisions. I can pave my own way. Um, and it is safe for me to do so. Hell so. yeah. And like, what a great gift for your kids to see that as a parent role model. Mm-hmm. How, um, I'm curious for you, how has that trust building worked for you as a parent? Cause that's even more like, I cannot even imagine being having, you know, the, the, um, being a parent and having that responsibility and God, as a mom, you're just like giving, 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 giving all the time. I'm sure there's never a moment you're not thinking about them mm-hmm. or like subconsciously, like what's next, how we're going to do this, mm-hmm. you know, rides that kind of thing. So I'm curious, like, how did you carve that time out for yourself? I just made it a priority. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like they know, like once they go to bed, like, so my son goes to bed about eight o'clock. Uh, between seven and eight, like school days, sometimes it's about seven o'clock, but I think they just know that like once his door closes, now I need time for myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I'll be, there's so many times where I'm meditating and I swear, like, just like when I meditate, like the energy, I meditate in one spot and it's next to my daughter's room. It's like on the other side of the wall. So I swear she like feels the energy. She always will Ah. come in here, but she'll like, she, she, for a question, right. She'll open the door. She'll see me meditate and she'll go, Oh, <laughs> she's a reflector, right? No, so she is. She's a generator, oh, she's but she generator. only has the sacral and the emotional solar plexus to find everything else is open. Damn. But I also came into. It's interesting when I look at them. I think she's more of the. I don't know. She might be fearful avoidant because I do notice she has this anxious thing. But then I notice that she avoids a lot. Like mm. she'll want to stay in her room by herself. But then when she comes out, she's very like more like anxiously attached. Where it's like all the mm. questions and the following and the and that I think triggers me a lot because I present those qualities right when I'm with. Mm. A dismissive avoidance. So it's like navigating that. And then, so I found like human design and more my spirituality, astrology, all those things when she was about seven. So, you know, according to human design, we have, we go by seven year cycles. So she had already, you know, unfortunately I, she experienced her own trauma experiencing my trauma, mm-hmm. um, at the time. And so I know there's a lot of work to be done with her that she's like navigating now as she gets older. But my son was so young when I came into all of this, that I truly believe like if anybody in this house is secure, it's, it's him. Like, I feel like I, I'm also, yeah, I'm also just like really working with him with his anger and allowing him to express himself. And of course I allow my daughter to do that too, but I think because she's already conditioned in a certain way, now it's mm. harder for her to express. It's like, mm. like when she cries, she gets real stiff and she doesn't want anyone to touch her. And, I, and, I'm, no. and my son will just come up to me and like sob and cry and hug That's me and like kiss me. And he's, yeah, he's <laughs> like, mommy, I love you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, so there's definitely more work to do there. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think kids are beautiful in the way that, you know, they're here. A, you know, I have to remind myself that whatever experiences they have or have not had in life, they chose me for those experiences. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like their souls mm-hmm. came here to experience what I was going to be able to provide them. Oh, yeah. And so that really gives me compassion with with parenting. And thinking back and be like, oh, my God, like I fucked them up. You know, like all these things. Good. Like, no, yeah. they came here for that experience. And yeah. so they're going to continue to learn. Um, and so that, that's helpful, but yeah, it's, you know, but they're mirrors. So with their healing and their growth and their learning, I'm also healing and growing and learning, Mm. you know, I'm not like, sometimes I feel like I work all day and then, you know, I hang out with them between, you know, after work and then, you know, dinner, bath, Mm. whatever, Mm -hmm. um, and then bed. And then I work on my podcast. I go to school. Mm. So like I have a lot going on. And so sometimes like on a Sunday, they want to go to the park and, you know, I sometimes get that like complex of like other moms are like, let's go here and let's do this. Let's do that. Sometimes I'm just like, guys, go sit outside. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to get off the couch today. I'm so tired. I love that. Yeah. It's been a lot of work around that because I felt like a bad parent for not wanting to be doing things with them all the time, Mm -hmm. you know? And my parents took them to, there's like an indoor water park hotel thing, Great Wolf Lodge. I don't know if you've heard of it, Mm -mm. but so it's just like this thing in Texas, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, my parents took them there like during spring break and my mom was like, do you want to come? And I was like, honestly, no, I'd rather just like catch up on school and like kind of like rest a little bit. Um, And she was just like, she's like, you know, it wouldn't kill you to like be with your kids and have fun. And I'm like, I know I'm with them all the time. (laughs) Oh, mom, laying your shadow on me, girl. (laughs) Yeah. 
<gasps> yeah. But that's, you know, her anxious wanting everybody to be get, be together and exactly. control the situation. And so that's where it's just like so powerful, right? Like having that knowledge and having that compassion and just being like, no, I, I'm going to sit here by myself overnight. I'm going to rest. I'm going to meditate. I think I went to bed at like eight o'clock that night. I was just like, you know mm. what? This is what I need though. You know, like, mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel selfish in that, but then I just like, it is not selfish to take care of myself and then Mm -hmm. in taking care of myself, I'm better able to take care of them, right? Like have Mm -hmm. more energy to do things when they want to do it or, or when the energy hits me, then we do like great things and fun things. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I love that. I feel like what you're (laughs) talking about kind of hits my earlier point of like having that bigger container of guilt. It's like, Mm you're able to hear your mom say that very shadowy thing to you and be like, yep, that's okay. This is still what I need, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're able to be like, I'm disappointing my mom. I'm disappointing my kids. Maybe I'm thinking culturally I'm a bad mom. And you're just like, cool. I still need all this alone time. Mm-hmm. Like I still need this for me. And that probably sounds selfish to a lot of people, but I think that that building of that container of being able to say like, okay, kids go outside. Mama needs to rest right now. Like that is probably another situation where you're like, I feel so guilty right now. And this is what I need. And it's so cool. Like, I think as a parent, you have so much guilt. Like there's so many opportunities where society is telling you that you're not a good mom or that you're not doing enough and do more, 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 more like helicopter mom, do it all. It's just like, dude, you gotta, you know, it's up to us to be able to be comfortable with that guilt that we're feeling. Yeah. And how much pressure on women you know what I mean? Like we have to work, we have to be the mom. We have to like take it. And it's like, you know, like I love men, like whatever, but like yep. they, they work. Yeah. I mean, like there are some really incredible like fathers out there that are really, really totally. hands on. So I'm not saying, but it's just like, I feel like there's just so much more pressure on the woman. And then if we're not 100%. like doing all of these things, then it's like, we're not a good parent and we're not a good mom or we're not a good, you know, wife or partner or yep. employee or whatever. It's like, it's such bullshit. Yep. Like, yeah. You just, you know, right, you have to subscribe to all these and it takes a long time because we're conditioned from the day exactly. we're born, right? We're from- conditioned. And then we get that pressure from everyone else that you're talking about, like from your mom. It's just yeah. like, we're all judging each other. You know, we're kind of feeding into that system of saying like, you're not doing enough. And it's like, we have to extricate ourselves from that and be like, you're doing all that you can, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm not going to judge this mom over here for taking a day off or not, you know, being with her kids 24 seven or whatever it is, not taking, not making the cookies for the soccer practice. I remember hearing a story of a mom being like, yeah, I had to get toll house cookies for the soccer practice. Cause I did not have enough time because I run my own business mm-hmm. to make cookies. I'm just like, yeah, fuck. Yeah, girl. That's like, you're inspiring me to be able to live, you know, the dream life that I want and be able to give in the way that I have the capacity to. Yeah. It's Absolutely. Tough. Yeah, oh, it's it so is. Tough. And we're all just, yeah, we're all here learning what we're supposed to be learning. So exactly. You know, like I love I, that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> if it's I know so when hard soccer to hear. practice is, it's a win for me. <laughs> like, it's so hard to hear. I'm so curious. So I'm just now I, this podcast, um, this week I released, it's about the gifts of having an mm-hmm. insecure attachment type. Mm-hmm. And I'm just now actually my, a friend of mine who's a fearful avoidant once told me, she was like, I would never ever sign up for another attachment style other than being fearful avoidant. And I was like, what, why this is so brutal. Like Mm. there's so much healing that we have to do. Like, why would you say that? And she's like, I am so empathic. When someone walks in the door, I know exactly how they're feeling. I know exactly like, um, what, you know, how to coach them. She's a coach, like how to coach them. And then, um, the flip side of that is, is, um, like the, the comedy and the creativity that comes from it because of living through such intense situations. So I'm just now it's taken me a couple of years to be able to say like, fuck, I actually love this. Like mm-hmm. I really do truly love, um, the person that I am. And then the only reason I am the person that I am today is because of all of those experiences growing up. And it has built so much resilience. I was watching um, Lizzo's new show on Amazon. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. Are you a Lizzo fan? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I don't like, yeah. Yeah. She's an, I fucking <laughs> she's awesome. love her. So mm-hmm. she's um, recruiting big girls, big girl dancers mm-hmm. for her big girl group. And um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about Lizzo right now. <laughs> I think we talked about Nicki Minaj last time. So, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Okay. So, I totally just lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? Lizzo's new show. You're watching Lizzo's Lizzo's new new show show on the gifts, the gifts of being fearful, avoidant. Fuck, I lost it. (laughs) 
it'll come back to me. Anyway, we love Lizzo. That's yeah. There we go. (laughs) Point number one, (laughs) but yeah, there's Mm. so many gifts of, of, um, being from an insecure attachment type and we're teaching others like Mm -hmm. from our insecure attachment types too. I love that. And I feel like I've come to that conclusion with like emotions. Cause like my highs are really high. My lows are really low. It can be so painful and so brutal and so beautiful and all these things. And I, I think like, I've come to a place where I'm just like, I love being able to feel like this. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. sure. It doesn't always feel good, but like, what a beautiful experience to have, like be able to, and like, we are here to feel that's literally what this human body is for. 100%. Right. And it's, it's a matter of getting out of our head and actually getting into the feelings. And I think that allows you to not experience them in so dramatic of a, mm-hmm. of a range. Right. Because then it's like, you're actually, it's the mind that like fucks with us. Right. The mind is the thing yep. that's like, takes us from here to there because it wants to like question it and figure it out. And it's like, no, I'm just feeling because something isn't right. So leave the situation. Do you know what right. I mean? It doesn't have to be this complete mental chip that we make it, but 100%. that is a side note, but yeah, it's just, I, and I listened to your podcast episode too. And I love that you said about like comedy and like laughter, like making people laugh makes you feel safe. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's beautiful to like experience and witness and, and be, you know, and like, and mm-hmm. know that I think that I, it, it, I love that you had said that. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I don't want to knock on secure people. Cause I think they're fucking great, but like some of them are boring as fuck. And I don't <laughs> say that from an insecure attachment yeah. type. I just, just mean like, come on, like give us some space. Yeah. <laughs> I have a really good friend who's a secure attachment style. I had her cause she's always like, um, we, we always, she's very spiritual. We always talk about, she's Pisces. We talk about all the things. So I told her I was getting into this and she went and took it. She's just like, yeah, I'm secure. And it's funny because like, she, I think knowing this has helped our friendship too, because she will sometimes not text me back for like two days. And to her, it was just like, Oh, she got busy and forgot about it. And sometimes I'm like, did I do something wrong? Is she mad at me? Mm-hmm. I don't want to text her again. Cause I don't want to be really annoying about it. Maybe I'll just mm-hmm. wait for it, you know? And so like, we had that conversation and she was like, Oh, so you literally just want the acknowledgement that like, I got the text. I'll get back to you. I was like, yeah, that'd be nice. And so sometimes she does do that. And sometimes she doesn't, but like, I know that she doesn't mean for it to be, she's that. not avoiding me. She's not mad at me. It's just like, yeah. This- She's busy. She has a life. You know what I mean? So it's way just, to state your needs. Yeah. I know. So I'm exciting. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. It, it really is hard, but it's, it's a lesson. And, and yeah, when, okay. So when you had the conversation with her, cause this is my favorite thing about interacting with secure types, what was her reaction? She honestly, she was like, I, she's like, I don't get it. Mm. Like was kind of her, her response. Like she didn't understand the need for that. And like, of course mm-hmm. I explained it a little bit more and, um, yeah, I even told her, I was like, even having this conversation is kind of uncomfortable to me because I don't want you to like get angry or like, mm-hmm. I don't want to like whatever, mm-hmm. but also how can I be in a relationship with somebody and not get my needs met and not fully be myself? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it was like, mm-hmm. I don't even remember how the conversation came up, how we got onto that topic. Um, but yeah, so like now, like if I call her and she doesn't answer, like, we you know, usually when within like an hour or something, she'd be like, Oh, I was doing this. Like, can I call you tomorrow? You know, like there's at least that Love response that. now. Yeah. So it's been really helpful for just like a friendship too. But and was she like, I'm happy to like, was she, when you like explained it to her, was she like, Oh yeah, I'm happy to do that. Or was she oh, yeah, like, absolutely we'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. She was like, Oh, I get it now. I get it. That's, I was like, Oh, it's so easy. Right. So but that, but yet when you, but you do, when you have those conversations with people with insecure attachment styles, like if I try and have that conversation with a dismissive avoidant, they're just mm-hmm. going to be like, Oh no, no. You know what I mean? Like walls up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So. It's yeah. That's like when you, when you're having a conversation with a secure attachment type, you know it because when you bring up feedback or when you bring up a need, they're like, oh yeah, how can I meet that for you? Yeah. There's just like, yeah, there's no emotion tied to it. It's just, no. it is what it is. It's like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. Thanks for letting yeah. me know. Like now literally what can I do, what do you need? Thank you. you know? It yeah. comes with a thank you. I'm like, yeah. holy shit, I can do this. Okay. Thank you for showing me what it looks like Mm. to have this type of conversation so that I can start to model this behavior in my relationships. And then when I'm modeling it, then other people are going to give it to me. You know what I mean? So it's like Mm -hmm. beautiful ripple effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I such an honor to always speak to you. I love your energy. I love having conversations with you. I can't wait for this to come out because I think just, you know, whether you're fearful, whether you're secure, whether you're avoidant or, you know, anxious, whatever. It's just, it's such good information for healing yourself, for healing your relationships. Just, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here. I love talking with you. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Oh, where can everybody find you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so here's my spiel. 
come find me. Um, you can listen to the lit AF podcast. It's all about personal and spiritual growth for healing the fearful avoidant attachment style. Um, even if you're not identifying as a fearful attachment style, the beauty of the fearful avoidant is they lean both ways of the Mm -hmm. insecure attachment types. So, um, there's probably some nuggets of wisdom in there for you. Um, I think it's a really amazing podcast as Rochelle has been saying, thank you so much. (laughs) Um, and then you can also come find me on Instagram at it's me, Sarah Cohan. And I share hilarious, a lot of hilarious reels about healing and attachment style. Um, and then if you're interested in working with me, you can go to sarahcohan.com. Um, under coaching, I've got a little free clarity call that you can book. I help people with confidence and manifestation. Um, I, you know, I think those two go hand in hand because if you want to make big changes in your life, oftentimes like our belief system is not necessarily calibrated with what we're actually trying to call in. So what I try to do is get those two closer together so that you've got a better chance of actually calling in, um, what you want to do. And then for any of my dismissive avoidance out there or anyone that is just struggling to start to feel their emotions, I have a fantastic free meditation for, um, feeling your feelings. So if you go to sarahcohan.com, that's S A R A H C O H A N.com under freebies, you can find that free meditation. It's eight minutes. I used to do it every single night. It changed my life. Now, all of a sudden, when I talk about feelings, I can describe color and texture and movement. And it's, um, it's truly amazing. So that's out. That's there for you. If you're interested. I love that. I have one little Mm. tangent thing of story as you were talking that came up. I'm reading a book and they were talking about manifestation and it was saying that, you know, like when you go to a restaurant, like if you equate manifestation with going to a restaurant, you go to, you go to a restaurant and you order what you want to eat. You don't like follow them back to the kitchen to make sure they chop the tomatoes properly, (laughs) right? You order it, you trust that it's going to come. If it comes and something isn't as you like, you let them know, you trust that they're going to fix it. And it's just like, I was like mind blown. I was like, whoa, it really is that easy. But like we do, we follow them to the kitchen. We want to chop the tomatoes for them. We want to put it on the plate, you know, like so funny. Like, let it go. <laughs> we're, we're so controlling. Yeah, we are. We really are. Like, it must be delivered in this way. <laughs> exactly. Like I wanted to control this, but yeah, it is, it is so funny. So, is so uh, funny. well, thank you so much. Again, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Such a pleasure. Thank you. 